Uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Nate, and uh, it's my privilege to serve as a pastor here at Richmond. And uh, we are beginning, as we've already talked about, our Advent season. And uh, so we're going to be doing a series uh, through Advent where we're going to be exploring the theme of the renewal of Advent, so the renewal of hope and peace and joy and love. And uh, so for those who aren't aware, Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. So Advent gives us an opportunity to build our sense of expectation and anticipation uh, so that Christmas doesn't kind of sneak up on us, but to prepare ourselves well to recognize what Christmas means. And so generally we spend a lot of time in Advent focusing on the events of the Christmas story and uh, the characters that are a part of that, which is all fantastic. Uh, But this year we're going to focus on another part of Advent that often doesn't get focused on as much, which is the recognition that Advent is also us preparing ourselves and building a sense of expectation that at some point Jesus is going to come again. And so we're really grateful that Jesus has come and entered into our human existence and has brought the kingdom into our experience, something that we can experience on a day-to-day basis. And so we can experience hope and love and joy and peace in the here and now because of what Jesus has done in his life, death and resurrection. But we also recognize that at the end of time, we will get to experience those things 100% of the time. And so our default experience is going to be filled with love and joy and peace and it's going to be amazing and our hope is ultimately going to be fulfilled. But in the meantime, we live in this tension where we know that that's not what life feels like some or a lot of the time. We live in these moments where we don't necessarily experience hope, we don't experience peace, we don't experience joy and we don't necessarily experience love. And the challenge for us that we're going to explore through this series is the reality that Jesus invites us to be people who allow others to experience those kingdom values. That because Jesus has come and given us the opportunity to live those things out, we now have the privilege as people who follow him to be able to live our lives in such a way that other people get to encounter the kingdom and get a taste of what that is going to be like. And so each week uh, through this series, we're going to have a different person share on uh, each of the different Advent themes and just what it looks like and some of that tension and what that reality is. Uh, And then as Caitlin mentioned, we're going to be doing a creative activity every week as well, which will give us an opportunity to take that out into uh, the rest of our week and into all of the different circles that we walk uh, so that other people can experience hope, peace, joy and love uh, as we move through Advent, as we head towards Christmas but also on the other side of that. So uh, Sarah is going to kick us off today so I'm going to pray and uh, we'll dive into exploring the theme of hope this week. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so incredibly grateful for what you bring into our lives and into our existence. We thank you for your willingness to come and to take on human form and to show us what a life looks like that is completely surrendered uh, to God's purposes, a life that is filled with hope and joy and peace and love. Uh, You show us the fullest expression of that. And you tell us that because you have come, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is available to us. And we know that at some point in the future, we're going to get to experience that 100% of the time. And we're excited about that. And we want to build our sense of anticipation about that. But as we spend these next few weeks together, our desire is to be able to explore what it means to live in the tension where that's not our everyday reality. And nor is it the everyday reality of lots of other people around us. 
And we thank you that you have enough confidence in us and enough trust in us to be the ones who live these things out. And so today, as we explore the theme of hope, we ask that you would take Sarah's prep and her work that she's done and that you would take her words and that you would remind us again of this incredible hope that we have in you, this hope that we know is ultimately going to be fulfilled and what it means for us to live as people of hope. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Nate. Well, um, just recently, <clears throat> I had the chance to read my grandpa's memoirs. <clears throat> he passed away some a number of years ago now, but he was a truly hilarious grandpa, always had us in stitches of laughter. He grew up in Holland and was a little boy through the war. And with moments that seemed completely and utterly hopeless, if we're real, Living in Italy a little bit later on, um, he, their family got to a point where they had no money, no bread, nothing to eat, nothing in their house, and it was the day his dad's contract ran out for work. And my, um, his father, my opa, was sitting there reading Philippians 4, praying desperately, my God shall supply all our needs. And um, reluctantly, my grandfather was the one sent up to the baker to trottle up and to ask for just four bread rolls that he could borrow. We will repay, we will, we'll pay you back, despite no earthly evidence of this. Now, sure enough, the very next day, a contract came through for his father and they were able to pay for the bread. Not too long after that, they sold everything that they had in desperation for transportation to the other side of the world by boat and flying boar all the way to a life of a hope and beautiful New Zealand. (laughs) And there they settled. Or perhaps like someone in our house this week, very, very, very tired, but somehow determination, hope of mum coming home later on, kept them awake for far longer than sense. Desperately holding out for mama and expecting and hoping my return. Joseph in the Bible had prophetic dreams of his brothers bowing down to him and a number of other things. But it's fair to say when we read his story, his life seems to go the complete opposite direction to where some of those dreams were headed, where he was sold as a slave and in prison. And later on in his life, we see it all unfold and God's much bigger plan than anyone could have imagined saves his whole family and Egypt from famine. So what is hope? Far more than wishful hoping, uh, thinking, sorry. Biblical hope is a timeless, unshakable truth anchored beneath the waves of emotion and circumstance. An anticipation and confident expectation of something yet to unfold. Sometimes we say with our younger people that hope is believing that something good can come from something bad. Now, I don't know where the word hope sits with you today. If your mind goes to something fun like, oh, I really hope I get a bike for Christmas, or I was so hopeful I could get my hands on Coldplay tickets this week. But it feels like right now, if we're real, in the current local, national, and international climates, there's a weight of tragedy, of injustice, and heartache that we see around us that the world hope almost feels so far from some of those experiences. 
Or maybe we're tired. We're exhausted after a huge year. It's the end of a big one. Perhaps you're feeling a bit numb. Maybe you're ready to just pull the covers over your head and try this whole Christmas cheer thing another year. You're just not there. How can we dream of hope for peace and reconciliation and healing when the reality feels the opposite? Well, if that's where you're at, don't feel guilty. Instead, let's acknowledge the very real darkness that we experience or that we see in the world around us. And perhaps, if nothing else, you might view Advent a little differently from a different perspective. Advent through the lens of people waiting for a Messiah thousands of years ago. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Their circumstances definitely not lining up with what they had been promised. For 500 years from their last prophet Malachi, the people of Israel hadn't heard anything from God about the one who was going to save them. God's chosen people must have cried out, waiting, asking how long it would be before their hope, their salvation would arrive. Little did most people know, God was planning Jesus' foretold entrance into the world in the most unexpected way, a newborn baby, thanks kids, to establish a kingdom that is completely about hope. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies about him and told people to repent and believe for God's kingdom had come near. You might be familiar with those passages like in Isaiah 40 that foretell Jesus' coming. He not only came to bring hope, he is our hope. He is your hope and my hope. Hope for the world. He brought the ultimate good news to a world that needed and continues to need hope and reconciliation and a relationship with God. And what an incredible gift of hope we have and hope we all have the opportunity to receive and to give. That gift of hope gives us real hope or a living hope that is anchored in the past because of what is true, that Jesus came to establish a kingdom of hope. It continues in the present today. It is for us, for our lives, and for the world around us. And it endures throughout the future because hope fulfilled in heaven awaits us. In 1 Peter 1 verse 4, we read about the hope of eternal life. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Hope can feel like a tricky thing to navigate in our unpredictable life on earth. But in eternity, our ultimate hope, peace, love, and joy, these kingdom values are completely, completely fulfilled, and we are totally satisfied. And that is absolutely something that we can anticipate and look forward to with great expectation. 
There is a longing within us for things to be made right, is there not? And that hopeful promise of no more weeping, no more waiting, no more sadness, no more reaching and longing and wanting, no more pain or death or sadness in Jesus' presence forever. And what an incredible day that will be. The hope of heaven, that eternal perspective, is a guide for our hearts. It shifts away our focus from what is temporary. It provides perseverance, knowing that there is a better way ahead of us. When we know how the story ends, when we know that the ending is better than where we started, isn't that the fuel we need to keep on going? To live driven by hope, to hold on through the in-between, the waiting, the now but not yet. But I wonder how often we forget how the story ends. We forget about this end. C.S. Lewis says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. What a challenge that is. But when the rubber hits the road in our day-to-day whirlwinds of life, what does hope really look like? In Jesus, we have been given the incredible privilege and gift of experiencing hope in Jesus here and now. But do we often hope that the hard stuff will end? Do we wish it away as if the hard is not the goal or worthy of our time? But I can't help but wonder if in the hard, hope is there. Hope is waiting to be found. I know that's something I've certainly proven. Could it be possible that in the hard, hope is the very lifeline that finds us? teaches us, shows us, builds a depth of faith and faithfulness that we could never have manufactured. We have this amazing gift of living hope. In Psalm 130, hope is referred to as an expectation, an anticipation, looking for him. But have we forgotten to look for him? Psalm 62.5 refers to hope as an attachment. I wonder what your attachment to Jesus is. Are you hanging on by a thread? Because in the absence of Jesus, what do we put our hope in? To have hope, we must know Jesus because he is our hope. Isaiah 40.28 refers to hope as being bound together, desperately clinging for dear life. I wonder how tightly you cling to God. Hope in Jesus draws us back to a bigger picture, out of our own thinking. Not to dismiss our thinking and feeling by any means, because that's very real, but Jesus is there with us in the uncomfortable emotion. And what an incredible thing that we celebrate in Jesus coming to be one of us. He understands. He truly gets it. He is with us in the pain. And he's also there to comfort us, but longs to draw our hearts and our minds to him, to this bigger picture of his faithfulness, his love, his truth, 
his hand at work in our lives throughout the course of history, the transformation that God has brought to people's lives throughout that history, and he continues to bring to our lives today. So what does it look like for us as everyday people to be living with this living hope, to be a person of hope or a beacon of hope? Part of my week I spend as a pastoral care worker in a local primary school. And every day I pray that Jesus would use me to bring his hope and his love into the broken world that I find myself in. And there's certainly a fair amount that I encounter Families who don't have accommodation, who are short on money or food or having navigating significant family brokenness, mental health, health, major grief and loss. I'm sure there's probably people around you who are navigating various things too. But every single day it's an immense privilege to walk into that place and allow God to use me to interact with people, to connect with their pain, to sit in the yuck but somehow bring gently a perspective that lifts them, lifts their eyes to hope. And practically it's things like connecting them with the people around them that they need to support them and move forward in their journey. Literally handing out bags of bread collected from Woolies that morning. Listening and validating and supporting them. Now, I certainly do not say this as the ultimate that we should all be working towards or to um, blow my own trumpet by any means, but I wonder how you see the places that you go on a day-to-day basis. I wonder how Jesus might use you in your school, in your workplace, or your favorite cafe, the next plane you're about to board, your conversations, How might Jesus use you and these to be a beacon of hope to the world, the broken world, for that matter, that we find ourselves in? Jesus invites us to know his hope in our lives and to be people of his hope so that we can look beyond our circumstances, beyond our brokenness, to his incredible story, to his timeless, unshakable truth beneath the waves of emotion and circumstance, to live with confident expectation, with the hope of what God is going to do. A couple of questions for you to ponder as we finish here. What does this look like for you to have hope in Jesus this week? How is my hope in Jesus right now? Am I clinging to my own control? Or am I depending on him and making room and expecting Jesus to show up? How does my faith-filled hope in Jesus radiate hope to the world around me and invite others to experience hope in Jesus too? I'd invite you to take one of those questions or even if there's other thoughts that have been stirred as we've um, thought through hope this morning um, I wonder what Jesus is saying to you about hope as we enter into this Advent season. We're going to take some time now to reflect and listen to O Holy Night, where this theme of hope comes through. The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. O Night Divine.
So as we mentioned, uh, each week we want to take an opportunity to explore something creative that's going to lead us out into the week. And uh, so this week, as we continue to reflect on what it means to be people of hope, uh, what we're going to do is put together a prayer walk. Now, don't panic. Don't freak out. We're not asking you to do something radical and crazy and go and like shout at people or anything like that. Uh, we want to encourage you to set some time aside this week, sort of 20 or 30 minutes, to choose somewhere to go for a walk and to spend some time praying and to be able to pray that people would experience God's hope, uh, but also to listen for what the signs of hope might be as you go and uh, make that walk. So Phil has done a superb job of creating what a map could look like. Uh, now, don't be intimidated. If you're not creative, like I'm not, uh, then it doesn't need to look anywhere near as pretty as Phil's is. But this is just to give you a bit of a guideline that we want you to think about where it is that you might like to go for a walk. So that could be your street, could be around the block near your house, uh, it could be somewhere in your local neighbourhood where you walk past the school, uh, where you walk past some community areas. Um, but just to think about where is it that I'm going to walk. And so we've got four questions for you to reflect on. And so the activity that we're going to do is actually sit down and think this stuff through and draw a bit of a map out that you'll then take into this week. So the four questions that we're going to look at are where are you going to walk? So where specifically do you think that you're going to walk? Uh, who are you going to pray for? So who specifically do you want to pray for? Uh, and then what things are you going to pray? And I'm going to give you some examples of that in a sec. And then when are you going to do it? So we want to get really, really practical here because uh, I don't know about you, but often come along to things like this and it's like, yes, that sounds like a great idea. And then I get home, completely forget all about it until next week when we come back on Sunday. It's like, oh, that's right. I was going to do that, wasn't I? So we want to say, like, when are we actually going to do this? Where are we going to go? And what are the sorts of things that we're going to pray? And... Uh, Again, we don't want you to feel overwhelmed about any of that. We just want to pray very, very simple things. So if we go back to Phil's amazing map, Phil has got some really great examples of the sorts of things that you might like to pray. I'm not sure whether you'll be able to read those or not, but these are the sorts of things. So if you walk past your neighbours, you might want to pray something like, we hope and pray for good health for our neighbours and opportunities to love them like you do. So something very, very simple along those lines. If you know the names of your neighbours, you might want to pray for them by name. If you don't know the names of your neighbours, you might want to pray that you can have opportunities to get to know them through this season. If you walk past the school, you might want to pray something like, we hope and pray for those at our local school, for teachers and students. Keep them from getting too stressed and help them to find their identity in you. Thank you for the amazing work of teachers in our schools. So again, if you know teachers in your local school or if you know students who go to your local school, you might want to pray for them uh, by name as well. If you walk past a community garden or a park, you might want to pray something like, we hope and pray for thriving communities and a thriving environment. If you walk past a children's centre, for example, uh, we hope and pray for our kids and families in our local area and a bright future for the next generation. And uh, Phil's even included that if you walk past a dog park, you might want to pray something like, we thank you for our furry friends and your gift of them to us. So it's just very simple prayers. We don't want you to feel overwhelmed about what this looks like, but just to say, where am I going to walk and what are some simple things that I can pray so that people can experience hope, but also to try and spend some time listening to say, where are there actually signs of hope 
as I go on my prayer walk this week. So before we get you to do that, I'm going to invite Maddie up. Uh, Maddie is, uh, I love spending time talking about prayer with Maddie. She is one of our awesome prayer warriors, although she probably wouldn't say that, um, but super passionate about prayer and I love her heart for prayer. And so we thought it'd be good to have her just share a couple of minutes on why she thinks that this is helpful and some of the things that she's going to do. With Josiah helping out. Thank you. Uh, morning, everyone. Um, I love that Sarah started by talking about some of her um, legacy of grandparents because I feel particularly blessed to have my grandma here this morning, my Amma. Um, and my grandparents, Amma and Poppy, have been um, radical prayer warriors my entire life um, for everyone that they encounter in the street, um, those that they know, those that they um, want to get to know. Um, and so I would like to think that I've been. Um, yeah, blessed and influenced growing up like that. Um, and a reason that I think that this prayer walk is a really amazing um, opportunity for all of us is that um, at Richmond we're really passionate about local community but we come from, you know, pretty varied spaces across Adelaide and I think um, that's an amazing opportunity to, um, to witness, to pray, to get to know people all across our city that um, don't know Jesus or have known Jesus and are distant at the moment. Um, I used to walk from my house um, when I was a teenager, would walk from my house to the bus stop a few streets away and just used to sort of, I guess back then, didn't really know that I was interceding for anyone or, you know, but I, I suppose was just trying to listen to where God was maybe providing opportunities just to smile at people and be friendly and... Um, there was a gentleman that lived um, kind of on an empty block in an old dairy and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, just smile, just just wave and, you know, I would do it every day and then the next time it was sort of just say hello and um, it ended up, you know, uh, he needed a couple of meals and there was a pastor shop nearby and I really prayed about it. I went home and went, God, I am this 16-year-old. I, It's weird. Like, that is weird to go up to somebody that is probably in their 80s and say, God just really, you know, told me to go and buy you some pasta. Um, but I did. Um, and we got to chatting and he had a faith background but wasn't a practising Christian at the time. Um, I didn't lead him to Christ in that moment. I, you know, gave him the pasta. I went on my way. Um, and then a few weeks later... I'm going to put you down. Um... Sorry, this one's a bit emotional for me because a few weeks later there was an ambulance um, and he had passed away. And it wasn't a sadness, you know, I was, you know, a teenager and that was kind of confronting, but I just thought I trusted God in that. I walked past his house, I prayed for that man. You know, I, I think at that point felt like I had listened to what the Holy Spirit said my role in that was and that had limitations and... Um, but I just prayed that he would, um, I guess in those last moments, have reconciled himself to Jesus, Had um, that that was one seed that I had maybe watered that had been planted by someone else in his life. Um, and for me, there are definitely moments where I've walked past people, I've prayed for people, I haven't listened to um, the Holy Spirit saying, stop and slow down and be present for that person. Um and I take that as a learning opportunity. I'm not here to say I am a pro at prayer walking, that I, you know, do it day in, day out. But I, I want to live in a space where life is a prayer walk. 
Um, you know, there are times we can make intentional space to do that. There are times where we're driving somewhere and you might see someone and, um, yeah, I guess just an encouragement to just think, what can I pray for in that moment? As we look at hope, um, I live in the town of Lobethal. Um, this time of year, Lobethal is an incredible place because I feel like everyone gets excited for Christmas lights. My husband Ben gets excited for the food truck that brings the hot cinnamon donuts and, you know, that's excellent for him. We love that. Um, but I am just filled with such a sense of hope and expectation that as people visit our town and even as those of us that live there put up Christmas lights, that the story of Jesus coming to earth for us, the hope um, that he came to earth, you know, for a purpose of saving us and reconciling us with God is incredible. And so for me, the prayer walks that I am looking forward to doing in our streets are that my neighbours would, you know, have their giant blow up reindeer and all of that stuff and that's amazing for them um but that the seeds that they've had planted by other people over the years um the hope of Christmas the story of Christmas that that would be um growing in them that there's this expectation in me that um as people come up to our town over the next few weeks as it gets chaotic and busy and people are cranky and tired that all of that can be set aside that I can pray for them to um, slow down to see God moving in them and um, and feel that hope that we experience at Christmas. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose that's really, that's for this season, but I, I kind of want to challenge myself to have that hope and expectation all across the year, that God is present all across the year, that for me, my streets are packed with nativity scenes and Christmas lights for a particular few weeks, but that, you know, God isn't not there when it's not December as well. And so, um, yeah, wanting to carry that through in my prayer for people that they would encounter God through me encountering God more. So great. Thank you so much. Thanks, bud. Um, yes, you can give Maddie a hand if you like. Yes, that's great. So I think it is, it's a great reminder, as Maddie was sharing, I think that reality that sometimes we can feel this sense of like it's all on us, um, but a part of us being able to enter into this is the recognition that God's at work all around us all the time, and you don't know which part of the story you're playing by just planting a seed or just watering a seed uh, or just praying that someone might be more open to what God is up to, especially during this season. And so we want to encourage you to think about what that looks like, uh, where you might go for a walk. So we're going to spend about 10 minutes or so doing this, so the instructions and the questions are on there's four tables around uh, so you can do that and uh, there's textures and paper so we want to encourage you to draw a map work out where you're going to walk and when you're going to do that and then we'll come back together and uh, wrap up this part of our gathering and move into coffee so just a reminder that we will be going to coffee in about 10 minutes you'll have plenty of time to chat then so please focus on this activity now that would be great and uh, then we can chat more afterwards uh, for those of, uh, of you who are online with us uh, we're going to kind of tap out at this point for you because there's no point in you staring at a blank uh, platform. So thank you for joining us and we hope that you will also participate in this and draw your own prayer map and uh, be a part of this as we head into this week. So hop up, uh, grab a piece of paper, some texters and uh, draw your map and then as I said in about 10 minutes I'll wrap us up and move us into coffee.